Welcome to Exploring the Ancient Forest. Sometimes they scream. More than 20 years ago, Australian death doom metal band Paramecium released their sophomore album Within the Ancient Forest. The album lyrics were based on the book Within the Ancient Forest, written by Andrew Tompkins, the band's vocalist and bassist. In this podcast, we celebrate and explore the plot, the context, and the symbolic significance of the story behind this piece of classic doom metal history. So, welcome back everybody. This is Patrick, and what can I say, the Kindle edition has been published. So just look for the name Andrew Tompkins on Amazon and you'll find it. Both the English original and my German translation of the book. Well, today we are getting close to Denial's underground adventure. That's chapters 9 and 10 in the book, and the corresponding song titles on the Paramecium CD are Gone is My Former Resolve and Of My Darkest Hour. So let's get right into my little analysis. A quote from George MacDonald's Sketch of Individual Development. They who deny cannot in the nature of things know what they deny. And another quote from Blaise Pascal's Pensée, We have an incapacity for proving anything which no amount of dogmatism can overcome. End of quotes. The next song, Gone is My Former Resolve, deals with two different elements of the story. First, Denial's vain attempts to resurrect the living dead, and secondly, the beginning of his underground adventure. Denial has excavated the Garen sword from a petrified tree trunk and has successfully brought his falcon back to life with the tip of the blade. Now, overcome with compassion for the living dead that lie in their graves, devoid of thought, bereft of life, like the humans kept as batteries in the Matrix, and despite destiny's protests, Denial at once begins frantically digging them up and trying to resurrect them but they don't respond. Even by the touch of the sword they refuse to awaken, as Denial sadly realizes. In this scene, Denial signifies a young convert energetically trying to enlighten the world around him with his new worldview. This is a situation well known to probably every person of faith I have ever known. It is the frustrating situation of having a good news to preach and no one responding to it. It is the realization that you cannot produce new converts just because you are one yourself. It is the sobering truth that no matter how many books are written about soul-winning techniques, Christians, or any people of faith for that matter, cannot simply multiply like a biological species or assimilate like the Borg from Star Trek. That's not how it works. This frustration is very understandable from the point of view of the fresh believer. But maybe we should ask, if the sword has managed to revive free will, why does it bear no effect on the corpses? 
I believe the answer to that has to do with the fact that, while Garen's tale, that is, the gospel, is the best news ever, assuming that it's true, it is not an objectively evident and easy-to-prove bit of positive information, like, I've passed the test, or I've won the lottery. It is something that cannot be proven, but demands a leap of faith. And even if it were somehow to be proven, the message that God is good and does everything to save mankind would demand a reaction on more than merely intellectual grounds anyway. By its very nature, the gospel is an invitation to participate, and not something that asks for mere intellectual assent or a series of facts that people can be compelled to believe through external evidence. But this is a lesson that denial has yet to learn. On this matter, I recommend the Pensées by Pascal, subsumed under the heading Why God Hides, in Peter Kreeft's book Christianity for Modern Pagans, already mentioned in the introduction. Denial has not yet learned to mature in service, as Alexander Shia puts it in the chapter on the Gospel of Luke in his brilliant book Heart and Mind. I should actually say something about heart and mind in the future. I might get back to that at some point. However, for now, denial is so very frustrated with the situation that results from his own immaturity that he gives up and runs away. This leads to his departure from destiny and his journey into the underworld. In the book, the journey through the dark entrails of the earth with its many stony caverns makes for a very memorable episode that is only hinted at in fragments in the album lyrics. Here are the rough details. In his Head Over Heels, Flight From Destiny, who is starting to get on his nerves by always knowing better, denial is stopped short by a river. By the way, notice how important turning points in the story often involve a body of water somehow blocking the way. Beside the banks of this river, he finds a rocky cavern in which free will is waiting for him. In this cavern, he also finds another beautiful woman named Desire, that's D-E-S-Y-R, who is something like Destiny's dubious doppelganger, and whose careless laughter provides a welcome contrast to Destiny's time-proven wisdom and stern warnings. Almost needless to say, Desire, who is very vocal about her telling name, entices him across the Bridge of Grace and further into the caverns along the broad way that leadeth to destruction. Knowing that he is where he shouldn't be, Denial plays out the part of the old man of the song who listened to the evil desires of his heart rather than to wisdom, and gone is his former resolve. It seems that Denial's frustration with trying in vain to pull people who crave not life from the ground has turned upon itself. He runs to the siren's call and eventually becomes a mirror image of those that made him run. In Jungian terms, his shadow self has caught up with him. He enters the soil, longing to indulge in his own desires, devoid of thought, bereft of life, and drowning in sorrow. The word sorrow is indeed picked up from the beginning of the song and built up into a clean vocal chorus, which is a reflection on the whole desire episode and focuses on the regret associated with having given in to temptation. The lust that denial experiences with desire and that felt like love back then is a part of the story behind the next track.
quote from Radiohead's song, There, There, the Bony King of Nowhere. There's always a siren singing you to shipwreck. And another quote, this one from Jeff Johnson's song, Navigatio. I have earned my sin, nearly spent my soul. I've lost my way until now. On the world's edge, I have found a door. End of quotes. Denial is now at the lowest point of his mythological journey, literally and figuratively. Although he has gone from reading legends to finding them to be true, to living them out, even to the point of fulfilling the prophecy that, quote, man shall wield the two-edged blade once more, unquote. From the very beginning, his quest has been to behold both truth and life, as his old teacher had put it. But first, he now finds he must wander through his own personal hell of lies, lust, and death. The penultimate song of My Darkest Hour is based on the tenth chapter of the book, although the lyrics really refer to the action only in a fragmentary way. So let me first recapitulate what happens in the book. Denial follows his femme fatale desire into the subterranean caverns, and at last enters a huge cave which houses a dragon and an army of black warriors. Needless to say, this cave is the allegorical world's absolute heart of darkness. This is the first and only real dragon that Denial, the avid reader of legends, ever sees with his own eyes, and he is fascinated with it. In his own words, he becomes enamored of the dragon that he refers to as fatherly, despite its fangs and smoking nostrils. It has somehow won denial over simply by being a dragon. In a scene that doesn't work well as fantasy, though it does work as an allegory, denial and his new soulmate desire begin to get physical in the presence of the grinning dragon and its black horde, when suddenly she turns into a repelling reptile and he decides to go straight from lover to fighter. He wounds her with a sword but leaves her alive and hopelessly turns to face the surrounding black warriors. His cry of desperation is answered by one of the boldest deus ex machina devices ever. A door miraculously appears in the solid rock behind him. He and his falcon escape, and much like Dante after his journey through the inferno and his encounter with Satan, Denial begins to climb upwards through a narrow passage to the surface where destiny is waiting. He falls to her feet and begs for forgiveness. Now the journey through the underworld is a central motif in many ancient myths. The mythological hero typically undergoes his greatest ordeal under the ground. His journey down is a journey back to some kind of source. He often meets with and overcomes a mother figure or a father figure rescues his soulmate, gains his boon in the terminology of Joseph Campbell, usually his bride, or at least he returns with some kind of treasure. Now, in this book, Denial does meet with a kind of evil father figure, the dragon, who is also the king and possibly the source of all evil. His underground adventure, however, only half satisfies the requirements of a myth. He does kill off a few black soldiers with a Garen sword, once he remembers that he has it, but the scene is overshadowed by the disappointing bride-turned-reptilian 
and the huge grinning dragon in its nihilist philosophy represented in the lyrics by the lines thine is the hour but mine is the day and life is a moment and death the eternity denial is actually ineffective as a hero the only things he gains in this episode are enemies and a scar from the battle this is his song of experience thus the underground episode does not work as a story in itself Denial fails miserably in the dragon-slaying business. The episode is much rather a sort of allegory of failure or sin. It is the culmination of the wrong turn he took when he ran away from destiny. In Gone is My Former Resolve, Denial learned the lesson that others do not necessarily long for truth in life, or, as he says, they like to rot forever. Now that he is farthest from the sky, he learns that he himself does not necessarily always long for the truth or even for life, having gone to where my thoughts are waning and my life is draining as the lyrics go. His free will has taken the wings of the morning to dwell in the nethermost parts of the earth and found that darkness and light are both alike to the door of destiny. As the interpretive voice puts it, the final moments of his subterranean struggle have served to reinforce his confidence in power, namely not his own power, but the power of the Garen Sword and Destiny's power, the strength that is made perfect in his weakness, as St. Paul put it. This song closes with a clean vocal chorus beginning with the words Far From The Sky, which is very lyrical and only loosely connected to the narrative, similar to the sorrow chorus of the preceding track. It appears that these choruses are written more from the perspective of the denial persona introduced in Inexordium as the youth of sad temper, the typical doom metal protagonist, much rather than the intellectual, spiritual traveler of the book's storyline. Interestingly, the line, Ever the nightfall kills the sun, entails a paradox. Nightfall can obscure but never kill the sun because the sun is still there and nights don't last forever. Every sunset is a promise of the dawn. In other words, the sun's radiant existence is really more permanent than the alternation of night and day, which are subjective and temporary. Denial has given up hope, but only for a season. Whenever the sun blushes and sets, it is really the earth that has temporarily turned its face away. And it has something new to look forward to. The light of dawn is near, even as Denial is making his way up the long, hard road out of hell. So, that was it for today. Wow. That was rather heady, wasn't it? I don't know. You just let me know what you think. Um, you can find Ancient Forest Podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. The handle is EAF underscore podcast on Twitter. You can send an old-fashioned email to ancientforestpodcast at gmail.com. Keep in mind that there's going to be an interview with Andrew Tompkins, so you can send in any questions that you have. And most importantly, you can find Andrew Tompkins' website at abtompkins.com. That's A-B-T-O-M-P-K-I-N-S dot com. Okay, that was it for today, 
and I'll talk to you next time.